rising in five, four, three, two. What are you doing? I don't know. I thought we were going to clap. <laughs> Good evening, world. This is Our Stats, a musical podcast for deep understanding. Is that what we're going Conversations. With? Deep conversations. We are here with Livy, our resident saxophone theorist. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Adam, our resident pianist theorist. Hi, hello. Piano theorist? Pianist theorist. Pantheorist. Pantheorist. <laughs> Pantheorist. <laughs> I want to study it all. And I am Seth Wiesner, our... <laughs> it doesn't uh, matter. Uh, Dr. Professor, uh, Mr. Wiesner. You know, in There's German, they say Jeff all your titles. So if you have three doctorates, you say doctor, doctor, doctor. Uh, we did that with one of my professors at school. Anyways, I'm Seth. Once again, world, you won't probably hear this because we're probably going to cut it because it's about everybody's favorite topic, polychromatic music. This was all really Adam's idea, so Adam, why don't you Whoa, go first? I thought Seth brought Adam, this idea to the table. Adam, why are you here? Seth and I both had a conversation in which we lamented the fact that there were no good podcasts about music theory, um, or just even podcasts that really struck us that were about music. I know that there are some good ones out there, uh, but they just have like they don't have as much of a technical focus or an academic focus, or they don't talk so much about the things that we're interested in. And so we decided to make our own. And so uh, we're all three of us are theory majors at a University of Mississippi, and we just decided to hang out. And instead of wasting all this conversation we have about music, we could do something with it and mass produce it and get famous. Levy, what are you doing here? What made you decide to drop the saxophone, let it break, and be okay with that, and go into theory? Just broke it in half. Um, I'm from Tennessee. And they did not have a theory program at the school I got my undergrad at. And I got a music education degree. Loved it. It was great. Chose my school because the saxophone professor was fantastic. But then, like, year three, I decided I don't want to teach. And I don't want to play saxophone for a living, but I love music theory. So here I am at glorious southern Mississippi. Nice. Yeah. So... uh before they get a chance to <clears throat> question me about what I'm doing here. <laughs> here it is. Uh, sometime in high school, who knows anymore, I decided that I really liked composing and that I wanted to do that, except going to do an undergrad in composing seemed really specific, and it was kind of like, where would I find work? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, I don't want to move to New York or California or one of those places just yet. So anyways, I decided on music education, which I loved, and I taught for a year at uh, middle school and then decided that I really wanted to go back to school and focus on music theory. And so I've done one year of my master's and I've really enjoyed it thus far. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I got to University of Southern Mississippi because I went to school here in Hattiesburg before that 
um, just down the street at William Carey University. And I got a degree with like a concentration of piano, especially like with some church music stuff. Um, but I also, besides doing church music things, I also really want to teach. And I got really passionate about music theory. It was always my favorite class, always the class that I did best in. And so I decided to keep going more in a, on an academic path. And so <clears throat> now I'm at University of Mississippi. Nope. So oh, dang it. That one was, I tried to shorten it and I picked the wrong place. I'm at the University um, of Southern Mississippi. USM. <laughs> Why don't you kick us off on polychro- polychromaticism, right? Or um, microtonal music. I've seen microtonal music more commonly is that one lady who really calls it polychromatic. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what her distinction is. She didn't really. I think it's that. the color thing. Yeah, that seems. Is to be that right. that's eventually where she got to it? Yeah. Um, to kind of give us some background on this, Adam introduced this idea to me what two weeks ago? Yeah, recently, two or three weeks. So him and I have kind of researched the topic. Um, we're kind of in agreement, I think, at this point on feelings about it in general but outside the podcast we are in agreement but today we're going to be coming at it almost as like a pro con debate style yeah not antagonistic but i'm bringing it as a cool idea and seth is gonna grill me essentially tear you to pieces yeah i don't i think he agreed earlier to not tear me to pieces yeah no i don't want to do that mostly because i guess one i don't feel that passionately about it either way but there's also you know, art is art, you know, just because I don't enjoy it necessarily, although I'm mm-hmm. not saying that I do either way on this, but why should my opinion affect somebody else's, you know, but anyways. I'm mature of you. I don't think I, I see <laughs> that the same this way. Side. <laughs> no, I don't think I see that this way personally, but I just, just agree. That's garbage. Just so, we, just so we know, musical world, Adam doesn't view me as a mature person. No, no, I said that's very mature. Ah, oh, no, all right. He was well, he was trying to say, oh Seth, hey everybody, I didn't know that you could reach that level of maturity. Hey everybody, it's been 14 <laughs> minutes and Seth has already twisted my words. We haven't started the proper debate yet. Um, <laughs> anyways, Livy is going to be, oh, Livy, how much do you know about neutral? microtonal music? Almost none. Almost none. So she's going to be a guinea pig. Not yeah. that I Although ever call her. She I plays, made a point of not researching. Since she plays the saxophone, she could play all of the, you know, what's the not right notes. I was going to say, I guess I've, I've played Polychromatic one or yeah. microtonal music tries to use. And that is true because one of the things I'm going to talk about today has a saxophone prominently featured. Um, and so she could definitely accomplish yeah, that. I've heard microtonal music, but from a theory standpoint, I got nothing. Okay. So I'm well, I don't know how deep persuaded. I'm going to go with the theory perspective. Um, a little bit about like notation stuff, but as yeah, far as theory goes, nothing. it's not too different because you still have all your same functions. Uh, hmm. Which I will get to, but I think is one of the problems. Yeah. Okay. So just as a very brief uh, passing through introduction to microtonal music, if you don't know anything about it, um, all 99.9% of Western music uses an octave that has 12 um, pitches inside of it. That's just what we used for, what, 600, 700 years now? Yeah. I mean, since the Greeks, really, has been predominantly um, 12 notes in the octave. But that's a completely arbitrary system of measurement because it's music isn't so... It's not like integers in that way. 
um, because you have pitches in between the pitches. And if you're not on a keyboard or a piano, you can just slide around all through there. Because it's, if you think about music in its purest form, like acoustically, it's just frequencies. And so our frequencies, well, that, what's the well, gap between a half step and frequencies? It changes as you go you up. there with gap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say one way to think about it is either you can think about a stringed instrument and basically they've taken the string and they're shortening it to different lengths to get the correct frequency mm -hmm. that they're looking for. But realistically, there's no reason that you have to shorten it a certain amount. Right. You could yeah. change the length by any amount and you would come up with a different pitch because you've either shortened the string or added length to it. The same you could think about um, if you're a trombone player is that even though we say there are slide positions, I used air quotes there, I hope that was understood. <laughs> yeah, I've been nodding but... a lot and realizing it's very unhelpful. <laughs> just give it a nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what? I'm just going to cut that one and put that one in every time I need to say <laughs> that exact one. Um, but anyways, even though there's this understanding that there are slide positions, basically you could put the slide anywhere you want and have it be any length to get a certain note. So Yeah, and I just started talking about frequencies there for a second because one of the ways that we measure a pitch is by its frequency. Um, but that becomes difficult to measure equally because it's exponential. And so like the 1A is 440 hertz, but to get to an A, an octave above it is 880 hertz, which would make the next one like 1760 hertz, right? Is that math? Yes, yeah. that, was, okay. that was math. But the other way that we measure it is by cents, and I'm not sure exactly what like cent, C-E-N-T, um, and I'm not sure exactly how you get from frequency to sense, but the idea is that one half step is 50 cents and mm -hmm. one whole step is 100 cents. And yes. so when we're talking about microtonal music, we're talking about any tuning system with intervals smaller than a half step, where the gaps between the pitches are smaller than 50 cents. Um, or in another way is in any octave broken down smaller than 12 separate pitches. Um, right. Do you want to talk about, um, is there a name Dolores? I was going to get there in a little bit. I had okay. a little bit of background first. Um, so specifically, we're going to mostly talk about Western music because there's a lot of um, Eastern and music from the um, continent of Asia. Asiatic continent? Anyway, from that side of the world. Yeah. From the other hemisphere um, that uses a lot of really weird tuning systems compared to the ones that we have. A lot of, uh, especially Indian music, it's got 22 suruti. Um, rather than like notes or pitches. And so that one's already broken down a lot. If you've ever heard, uh, what's the thing called? The sitar. Yeah, sitar. Mm -hmm. Those things are huge and they've got like hundreds of frets on them. It just slides around everywhere to Yeah, areas. like over a drone. It's yeah. a very strange instrument. But then Thai music, Burmese, a lot of African. And then another one, big one is Indianesian gamelan? Gamelian? Yeah. Gamelan? Yeah. Gamelan. 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 Yeah. Um, but I looked that one up. It seems like there is some microtonal music, but they also just have a bunch of different tuning systems where some of them are like not pentatonic, but they're in five divisions and some are in seven divisions instead of 12. Um, but then there's also a few that are in more than 12, which is what we're talking about. So specifically we're talking about Western music because this does exist um, in other places around the globe. But for 
for whatever reason, Western music has really adopted just these 12 pitches and stuck with it. And so microtonal music is foreign to us just because that's not the background or the history that we have, although other places in the world are very different. Um, some Greek music way, 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 way back then um, was microtonal just because of the way that all their, their tuning systems were different, um, all their notation was different, and so they were really the last culture or last Western culture to use uh, microtonal music um, extensively. Uh, I'm trying to think. Some other guys that used it was Nicola Vincentio. Vincentio? Um, I'm really bad with pronouncing things. I'm sorry, guys. You just kind of have to grit your teeth and get through it. When we um, do a musical queries episode, you should spell out your names phonetically. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make sure to do all my research in IPA next time. <laughs> uh, he was an Italian composer in the Renaissance, and he designed, he was a composer and theorist, and he designed a keyboard that used 36 uh, pitches in the octave, which so he's three times larger than ours, uh, based on uh, Greek music as well. He wanted to try to perform and refine their, their harmonic language, and so that's where he was getting that from. Especially he was using just intonation, which is one of the alternate tuning systems where everything's based on ratios. Um, it's technically more perfect than what we have on like guitar or piano, um, but each tuning system and intonation has their own, uh, their own uses. But I think that's also the difference between equal and just is going to be something that we talk about uh, maybe not necessarily with like the Asian music or the African music that mm -hmm. we may listen or talk to, but with Dolores and her keyboards that she's come up with. I think she's using equal temperament. In all of her videos, she lists what set she's using, and yeah. it says ET after the number. So I think it's equal temperament. One of the guys I'm going to talk about does compose in just in intonation, which yeah. is interesting. So my my understanding of her is that basically she was frustrated with the fact that the piano, which only has the twelve pitches in between an octave, yeah. is Can I equal. interrupt you for a sec? Yeah. And like, we should probably introduce her before we just start talking about her. Okay. We just haven't really done that yet. Yeah. Do yeah, you yeah. know who we're talking about? Dolores. Yeah. Exactly. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 See. Also, if you have any questions, you should definitely ask questions because. So far, I am with you. I am okay. with you so far. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you got to act as a listener. And so, like, listeners, gotta... I hope you have also been with <laughs> me right. so far, because I have. Really, the only other notable composer that I found who's worked with microtonal music at all, like on a, there's been a bunch of, bunch of people, um, lots of guys from, from that guy in the Renaissance all the way up till now. But really, the most famous one I found was Charles Ives, did some stuff with microtonal music, um, working with quarter tones in the 20s, but that was really about it. Um, lately, in the last few decades, it's been more popular in electronic music simply because you, you don't have the same difficulty of like finding instruments made for doing that. Just with all the electronic stuff, you can just set it to whatever kind of system you want. Well, um, and I mean, depending on your keyboard, if you just have the little like pitch bend right. thing mm -hmm. on the end, I can't think of the right word. I think sometimes it's Pitch the modulation, modulation wheel or something yeah. like that, but it's see, a little bit easier. That's very specific circumstances. And kind of what I wanted to talk about was like places where microtonal music is composed specifically to be microtonal. Because um, I think one of the things that you want to talk about is why that happens naturally in music that we have now. But I mean, that feels more like an afterthought rather than people specifically going for that. I guess. Am um, I misrepresenting you? No, 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 but, but I guess, like, the argument that I have against 
this lady who we really haven't introduced yet <laughs> versus I, I don't think I have an issue with how people from India compose or people from Africa compose mm -hmm. because to me that's a completely different system. Right. You know, and yeah. the sounds they're creating are specific to the microtonal stuff. They're actually using a different set of pitches, which are creating different chords, different harmony, you know, mm -hmm. different just melodic lines. But I think there's also their appreciation for what is a good melody, what is a good chord progression is completely different than, you know, those of us who are used to listening to the, you know, Western European music and saying, oh, this is the standard. You know, so, and I think, you know, Our Lady who wears pink in one of the videos and I immediately thought of Dolores Umbridge yep. but she is not like that lady um, <clears throat> that we know uh, of. <laughs> also I don't know who Dolores Umbridge is that's that's upsetting Adam on all I know she's I know Harry she's Potters. from um, the Larry Potter books Ugh. nailed it man right. that was a really bad joke I'm definitely gonna cut that out I'm so sorry that was so stupid no, because my laugh is all through here, and I assume my laugh is infectious, but just in case it sounds really dumb, it's <laughs> staying in here, so your Larry Potter joke is staying in <laughs> So, to, to help us focus on microtonal music and to kind of fuel some discussion, I found three specific places that I think microtonal music is interesting. Not so much that it's good or better or making tons of progress, just three places that I think are interesting that are worth talking about. There's lots more that we could talk about, um, but these are just the three that I, that I wanted to hit on today. Uh, the first one is there is a German jazz combo. Is combo accurate for like a four piece? I'm not yeah. fully mm -hmm. in I the mean, know about com jazz. Combo can pretty much describe anything. What is the upper bound on what a combo could be? When does it turn into big band? Well, if it's not a big band, it's a combo. I was going to say, in my mind, it's like combo. You have any sort of size rhythm section. It could be yeah. pretty big in a combo or really small. And then you tend to have, like, I'd say one to two players on a part. And it doesn't get much. And by part, I mean, like, instrument yeah. type. I'd say if you get much bigger than that, you're getting into big band territory anyway. Yeah. Okay. I would, like, when we did combos in high school, it was, like, four people and then a rhythm section yeah so they were generally small things it's kind of like one person from each section of the big band yeah or two yeah. okay well then this is a german jazz combo made up of piano drums bass and saxophone i did not look up all these guys names i should have but we're going to put a link to their band camp on the website later because they're not on spotify very like kind of tough to find i found them a few years ago because i was looking up microtonal music specifically um their big thing is that the saxophone plays in quarter tones. Um, on those tracks, most of the band plays just regular 12-note 12, 12 octaves, but the saxophone itself is in quarter tones. Occasionally, they'll do a song with like a keyboard part, and the keyboard will also be in quarter tones, and that's when it gets really funky. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a little sample of this. All right, here is Go from Bazaxung's self-titled album. Thank you. 
And another one with the keyboard, so the whole thing is in quarter tones. Mr. P. as I was playing she is not a fan Libby can you elaborate on how much of a not a fan you are my thought from the last one was it's like haunted house jazz um okay interesting I was like (laughs) (laughs) I was like rolling my eyes during it because though the saxophone player sounds good and very talented I'm just like of course it's the saxophone player being super extra and just playing quarter tones because we can play quarter tones. I don't know. Yeah, I think I sent you a video of like a saxophone guy going through two octaves in quarter tones or whatever. Yeah. Like just straight yeah. through. It was dumb. Yeah. And I mean, really cool. I mean, dumb in a good way. Yeah, well, it was like, a, I don't know, it's like clarinet and I guess flute doesn't really have that ability, but clarinet and sax and oboe and bassoon to some degree you can really just kind of play a bunch of different colored notes is how they would well that's exactly what i was gonna say is that this just makes blue notes more blue so so a colored note or i guess shading to my understanding isn't necessarily you're changing the pitch it's kind of like if you were a clarinetist and you were holding your um left hand down to get c so you're covering the you know back hole and then one two and three that you can do other things as long as you're not directly manipulating you know the clarinet to make it play the next note down B natural or B flat but you can shade that C different ways to kind of get it the right note or if you were playing an open G on clarinet which would be one of the throat tone notes that you can play things from your right hand it's at the bottom of the clarinet that's not going to change the pitch but will kind of make it have a different timbre we call it venting or at least yeah. in my school we call it venting it's good for intonation and for what you're talking about yeah so timbres and stuff and so like i don't remember specifically when you would do it on sax it's i know really common on c sharps yeah i was gonna say i knew the c sharp is the bad note there but with it's, clarinet, I know it's G, A, A flat, and B yeah, flat. But it's totally possible on any note that isn't in tune that you can like open something or close something yeah. that's going to make it more in tune. It's you know a really easy, quick fix. Or if you specifically have quarter tones written, which I've only seen one time because no one wants that. Yeah. 
what I'm hearing is that the one guy who doesn't know anything about band instruments and doesn't know anything about jazz <laughs> thinks that this is cool and useful. And the people who know a lot about instruments think it is not surprising or interesting. And the people who know things about jazz also think that it is not interesting or useful. Well, okay, so let me elaborate on that a little bit. Is that I went through the 20th century analysis class last semester, last semester. And so you hit certain points and you're just like, wow, that almost sounds like part of a Gershwin piece or something. And it's not the whole piece that we would listen to or analyze, but there would be little sections and just, you know, even though they're using different pitch sets and other things like that and different groupings that we haven't necessarily used before, you kind of get into these points where it just sounds like, oh, that's a jazz chord. You know, to the point where he would point out a couple different jazz artists from the 1910s, 1920s, and kind of say, like, hey, look, they understood part of this theory and they used it because it just kind of fits into that world that's already been set up. And so, especially with, you know, the saxophone playing in the German combo, you almost don't notice it. It just sounds like he's trying to go for a different timbre almost. Not necessarily, hey, I found these new notes. It's just kind of like, what if I colored the note a different way? What if I, I don't know, another way to say it other well, than changing the timbre? Yeah, well, if you didn't think that one was like enough, then you're really not going to like one that I have on the list <laughs> later. Uh, but we'll get there. Okay, moving on. That was the jazz one. I want to do like a little bit of everything. So this one's more for keyboards and more electronic music. There's a YouTuber, YouTuber that I've been following for a couple years who her channel... It goes by the name Dolo Muse, D-O-L-O-M-U-S-E. Um, her full name is Dolores Caterino, and we're gonna drop a link to her YouTube page and some of her videos. Oh, okay. God, yeah. You know no who this idea is? That, no, I had no idea that Dolores was gonna be playing something. I thought she oh. was writing the thing. No, no, no. <laughs> the the magic of what she's doing is the fact that she is playing something. Okay. Yeah, and we're definitely, uh, we'll play the sample, a snippet from it, but you'll definitely need to get on the website and check out the videos of these because the instruments that she's using are very unique, and that's a oh, big yeah, part of goes, the draw. Yeah. yeah, so what she's done is that she composes in what she calls polychromatic music, which I think to everyone else on the planet is just microtonal music, um, but she's got like a whole thing about it. So let's hear a little bit from one of her YouTube videos called Duration. Dolores much more than the German jazz band. 
uh, because okay. I heard it as less microtonal and more. So just you heard it as less microtonal. Now, what I neglected to mention earlier, I think the recording that we showed you uses a octave that is 106 notes. Um, same equal temperament system. It's just broken down 106 ways. One of the other keyboards that she uses uh, breaks it down to 72 notes. Um, so you're saying that even though it was technically more microtonal, that you heard less of that. I think that was probably just the way she was using the tones and how they were like functioning. But to me, it just sounded as you know, here's dissonance, here's that dissonance resolving, or like here's the seventh chord, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, before I let Seth really just just get worked <laughs> up into a frenzy, he's he's frothing at the mouth over there. Um, and I'm the one spreading lies about the other person. <laughs> oh, I forgot what I was going to say now. That was such a funny goof. Um, oh, okay. Earlier I said that she thinks of it as polychromatic, or maybe we said that in the part we were going to cut out. Uh, Katharino is composing in a way that she calls polychromatic, where she is assigned each of the pitches colors. Um, in especially the 72 note system is the one that she seems to be using more lately um, in her more recent recordings, and that she's more developed a full notation scheme for it. And so I'm a little confused on it, but it appears that she has come up with the color being both the notation, where the notes are colored that way. You have C orange, C red, C yellow. Yes. But then also she hears it that way. And when she hears the pitch, she recognizes it as C yellow. Because she points to her keyboard and like, look, this is a C yellow. or you know, like. Okay, now that may be a bit of an overstatement because on the keyboard she has like either markered <laughs> in or a piece right, of tape. Right, but then she also is... says that she hears the colors of it. I mean, that's so, Which means that either saying, she has perfect so. pitch or she's making it all up. Well, so synesthesia I would, is a thing. Like That's true, but I also feel like in the TED Talk that she did, which we'll also post to. because oh, what it's, now? Yeah, she did a TED Talk. In the TED Talk, um, she talks, I forget, where, how did that connect? You, you said something? About, well, I said colors. She, synesthesia is a thing. Oh, I think in the TED Talk that she did, then she probably would have mentioned synesthesia if that was such a crucial part of her composition style mm. and thought... She says that as a kid, she was just bored by music and thought everything sounded like the same versions of things that have already been composed. And so her whole goal is the idea that, like, as far as I can tell, don't want to put words in her mouth. From what I have seen on her YouTube channel, she thinks that, like, regular music is kind of boring. And so this is the future of music, that finding a new language and new colors, literally, for music is her purpose. Okay. She, she also said that she heard the higher notes, I would think... C5 and higher, um, she heard them as being flat, and she wanted a way to raise them to what she considered to be the correct pitch level. That's true, but isn't there also some of that, like, piano tuning, the higher up you go, the less precise it gets, like, the less accurate it becomes? I mean, yeah, but that's also mildly true with any instrument. Yeah. But that's, you know, so that, I guess, kind of goes back to the overtone series and the, sh you know higher your fundamental pitch goes or the less you have of that fundamental pitch the more your tuning goes out of balance kind of yeah and so which i think you know it's just one of those like this system seems to be ignoring the overtone series which we agree is a thing and so that <laughs> to me i don't know why you would ignore that i heard the jury's still out on science <laughs> I think that her quote 
I have a question. Um, so she wants a more or a less boring way to compose these these like colors that she's. I don't know if it's gonna be the same thought you have, Seth. But uh, I these, think you're like, on the same wavelength. I guess just my small detail question is: Are these like sea yellow and sea orange? Are these timbres of the same note, or are they? It appears are, yes. She's okay. using them as a total I'm, as extensions of a tonal center of a pitch, okay. rather than like a key. Rather we're than talking about a tonal centers of a single. So rather pitch. than saying we're establishing all these new notes and they're gonna function individually, I guess because that could happen in theory, couldn't it? Like C yellow maybe harmonizes differently than C red or something. I don't know. So you're asking for a different. With all these different notes that we need to have new functions? Is I that guess what you're I'm asking? wondering, is Dolores doing that? Or is she just using them as timbres? Because I had you been see, thinking of it as individual To notes. me, I think she is. Because like one thing she talks about is that it's equal temperament. And so you know, you're not really getting the major, major chord. You're mm -hmm. getting just a version of it. And so really what she now has the ability to do is create different versions of the same major chord. Okay. And so my thing is we already do some of these things in band or choir or orchestra is that you understand, okay, in the major chord, I really need to pull this third down a little bit, maybe bump the fifth up a little bit, mm -hmm. even though it's only things like five cents or so. Mm -hmm. But with her, you know, 106 notes in an octave, she now has the ability to try to get even closer now, to that. That being said, she is using equipment and keyboards that allow her to do that for keyboard compositions, where, yes, you can't change the pitches of things when you're working with a choir or certain instrument ensembles, but you can't do that with a keyboard instrument. Right. So one thing that she has done is she has brought that idea into a different area of instrumentation. Yeah, and so her other thing was, which she talks about in the TEDx video, is that... She she wants the piano to get closer to a slide mm -hmm. or a siren. Right. And that she doesn't want the break of, oh, there's a distinct gap between B and C. Right. Which, yeah. uh, that would be a half step for us. And so I get that, but I guess there's also kind of, um, I don't remember if we recorded it or not, but we talked about it at some point, and that there's when you have 106 notes in an octave all of a sudden, it's a little bit harder, at least for our ears, I think, to really say, oh, I'm hearing all the different, I'm hearing 106 different notes. Mm -hmm. You know, so to me, it sounds like she's going after a lot of major chords or seven chords and things like that, which sound nice, and she's definitely not using the same tonal bass however it's more jarring to me like Ives might be jarring or when there's planing occurring in Debussy planing mm -hmm. being taking a major chord and just playing that same major chord starting on a different root note but basically you've kept the same formation so you just hear it moving up and mm -hmm. so it's a jarring effect but once you get used to it, you just start to hear, oh, this is a major chord. And so right. for me, even though it's a jarring effect that she's basically created when she switches chords or harmonies, once I settle into wherever we are, it's kind of like, 
oh, this is just a major minor seven chord. Right. And I definitely don't think of microtonal music as like the future of music and that the old arts are dead and that we need something like brand new. Throw out your keyboards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody get your tonal plexus, which, by the way, is the name of the instrument that she uses for the 106 That's octave. The other one is a, a Star Labs U648. Um, Star Labs is like a comics thing, so I don't know if like some crazy evil scientist gave it to Tony, her. Tony Stark bought it for her. Yeah. Um, and the other one that she uses, not in any of the songs that we showed you, but she I've seen in some of her videos, is a seaboard, which I only mentioned because you might have seen it in the movie La La Land. Um, it's shaped like a keyboard, but you can bend pitches on the actual notes themselves. You don't need like a modulation wheel. They're kind of like little foam wedges, and you can like get in there, and wiggle around on the keyboard, and it bends the pitches. And the guy in La La Land played that when he was with his like band, and they're on tour or whatever. I noticed that, called it out in the movie. Very excited to see it. Adam's trying not to say his name. Um, Seb Ryan no. Gosling. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he he looks like Ryan Gosling, and so he's just <laughs> you know. So ladies, just be aware that's what Adam looks like when you try to put you know a face to the voice. Moving on to our third and final uh, little segment that I want to talk talk about for microtonal music. Um, I found some guy that's got a little more of a classical foundation, a little more of a classical background. That I thought we could talk about Ben Johnson. Um, he is a composer, especially of string quartets, and he um, composes them, obviously, to be microtonal, um, predominantly using quarter tones, so back to just the, the 24 set octave that we talked about with the jazz musicians. Um, he also has developed his own notation, but he uses symbols instead of Dolores Caterino's um, colored notes. Um, he uses just, like, little plus plus signs. I found somewhere, like, a list of the different type of notation that you can have that is commonly accepted for quarter tones and microtonal music. Um, it seems like he doesn't use all of those, but he has his own system. Um, and since it's mostly quarter tones, he just adds like plus signs or whatever, or negative signs to the ones that he needs to take off in the similar way that accidentals function. Um, he also composes in just intonation. So I think that the combination of just intonation, which like we t mentioned earlier, um, based around ratios rather than the, the mathematical proportions of um, equal temperament system and like the exponents and percentages and measuring of all that it's just pure ratio so technically it's more sound some of the the intervals are more sound uh, but he uses that and the quarter tones so it's really interesting what he's doing i'll give you a sample this is i believe the last movement from his string quartet number eight So we just played you something from one of Ben Johnson's string quartets. It was probably either the sixth or the eighth one. Uh, we had some discussion in the intermezzo mm -hmm. about whether which one to put in there. But you'll hear one, and we'll tell you what it is later. Um, so either of you guys have a very passionate opinion about that. And if no passionate opinions, I'll move on to mediocre opinions. 
Uh, it's maybe not all the way to mediocre, but I would say that's if when I listen to the TED Talk and the other examples from Dolores when she's showing just talking through things and trying to explain her ideas on things that's more the direction I expected her to go because it just seems like you know when we started doing 12 tone rows and other things like that the next thing that was limiting composers was the fact that they were limited to 12 notes and uh, and they started to get around that a little bit by using cluster chords right yeah um now the problem i think they kind of ran into was i mean you have people who can access the music a lot faster and so things became more of a fad instead of actually staying you know whereas in the 1700s you were just like hey play that same tune again you know <laughs> and it just hung around i mean but, that was the whole purpose of a binary form yeah <laughs> but but um there are other songs during the 1900s that kind of start to hit more of the fad like it was you hit it for a decade and then it was kind of like gone unless you know you get to now and somebody wants to reuse that technique or something again but really the cluster chords and other things like that it was kind of like you had other sound mass things mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was kind of like they did it for a little bit, and there's one like uh, The Victims of Hiroshima, which is a really moving piece, and it feels like you're there. And when I say moving, it's not like, oh, that was moving and beautiful. It's like, oh, that's horrific. Mm -hmm. you know? Gotcha, yeah. But it's one of those, it was very effective for that, but outside of that, I start to wonder about the effect of just what if I just mash sound together, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I thought, um, which one was it? Was it the six? The six was the legato one. So I think that one, to me, if I remember correctly, was a little more towards, sounded like a 12-tone row expanded a little bit. Yeah. The other one, to me, sounds a little more like you're at a southern barn dance or something and there's just a fiddle player going away and he's maybe a little off on a few notes here or there but otherwise it just kind of sounds like a jazzy fiddly tune yeah i got you mm -hmm. uh gonna... can you imagine what a 24 pitch set would be like like if, instead of 12 tone music we we're doing 24 tone music oh boy no. you would, I, you would that never matrix be... <laughs> that matrix oh boy <laughs> Now, no. I, I will say, I guess on that, is that eventually you start just kind of, just like in um, tonal music when we get to major minor chords and other things like that, is that really you start to hit these like four or five groupings that composers seem to really be fond of. Mm -hmm. And then once you know those, everything else is almost a variation of that. Mm -hmm. and Which is exactly the point that Dolores Cantarino was avoiding. Yeah. It's like, this is going to be more, and this is going to fix our problem of the same music. Yeah. I think one thing, um, well, before I say that, do we want to say more about them, or do we want to move on to just general thoughts? I can, I'm happy with the conclusion. That was everybody I had left. Um, what I'm going to do is I compiled a list on Spotify of some of the music that we've talked about, and we're going to put that on the website. 
Um, Dolo Muse and Bisaksung are not on Spotify, so we're going to put links to their YouTube and Bandcamps, respectively. I also put some other interesting things I found on there, like Radiohead has a song that is uh, has like a string quartet part that is microtonal from their album Kid A. So that one's on there. And also they're a cool band. Uh, who was it? Let's see. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Um, they have an album called Flying Microtonal Banana, and they retune, they refretted all of their guitars to play in 24, um, to play quarter tones. And so I put that one on there. It's not really my thing, but it's definitely quarter tones. So that Spotify list is going to go up on the website as well as links to Dolo Muse and Bisaxong. Um So you can find all of that whenever you please. But as far as a conclusion, Seth? Um, I think my thought is, I like, I like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think just as I've matured as an, you know, artist, theorist, whatever you call it, that I, there's more of an appreciation to be able to look at what somebody else may consider art and try to figure out, you know, what can I appreciate from this? Where's the talent? Where's the challenge that they're overcoming to be able to do that? And I think, you know, each one of the people we've looked at today does that, you know, on some different level, even if I may not necessarily go out and seek that music to listen to again. Um, I think with Dolores, my thing is, a lot of her music seems a little slow, and I think part of that is her being hampered by the keyboard. And unless you just mastered it, and I mean to where it's a little cumbersome, I guess, to try to look at all the different buttons on there and figure out, oh, this is what this one does, you know. Even with labeling and other things, I mean, we we all struggle with eighty eight, and I think yeah. she's got like over three hundred. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, props to her for being able to do that, but it also means that a lot of her music in general seems slower, more harmonic mm-hmm. in nature, which is nice. It's just one of those. I really would wonder what the next step of when she's able to do something like. 16th notes at quarter note equals 100. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just yeah. to, since she has all of those different notes, you know, I guess to me the question is, is she really going to be able to take all those different pitches and come up with different sounds that we haven't heard before? Or is it going to be something like playing all the different colors of C in a row and we just think, why did you just play C a really long time? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm interested to see where it goes next, although kind of on how she thinks things are pacing, she thinks she may not move far beyond this during her lifetime I mean, or our lifetime. So. Yeah, I don't know how to speak for her on what's next. But yeah, Livy, do you have any final thoughts about microtonal music? Which way were you swayed? Yeah, yeah, you were the you were the guinea pig. What are my what are my two specific options? Well, you can either side with me that's really cool, or you can side with Seth that is really cool. And um, I meant okay. Well, the idea was is that I liked it and Seth didn't, but we really do basically agree on it. What what was you. it with verve and vigor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say it passionately. Yeah. <laughs> Declare to the world with vigor and vigor. <laughs> uh, I agree. I I. Uh, 
I don't she, know. She I don't hates feel, it. She hates it. No, I don't feel like she's trying to be nice about I it. I don't feel particularly swayed in a new direction because I feel like this is similar to the limited times I had heard microtonal stuff, uh, specifically in saxophone. But I did raise a question that I hadn't really thought of before, and I don't think we found an answer. But thinking about microtonal music, we've kind of in the first ex example of the German band, we were calling them kind of like making blue notes bluer is kind of yep, the way he was using. Mm -hmm. He was using those, uh, you know, in between. Trademark. Tracks. Copyright. <laughs> CC. Uh, blue notes bluer. <laughs> com. I own it. It's mine. It's going in his article that he's writing. Yeah. Um, sorry, guys. That was my research. Please don't steal this from me. Other theorists uh, that were advertising this to. Uh, and then our next one was Dolores. Yep. And uh, hers was kind of timbers. The way Seth and I were leaning, she was using those mm -hmm. n those colors as timbres of notes we already you know know, and they're kind of functioning in the same way. And then uh, this last example, it sounds like they're also sort of, at least in the faster movements, using it as sort of like a sliding between notes and sort of like an effect right. um, and giving interesting timbres, but sort of like in a motiony way. But I guess I'm left with the question of that's kind of how you could use. Uh, microtonal stuff like those quarter tones and in between notes uh in like a horizontal way in music as far as getting between two notes but like using them vertically you know what i mean like so isn't that what we said that dolo muse was doing i feel like, like almost just stacked next to each other yes but like i feel like with hers the fact that she had those it was 106 right and later, 72. Yeah. She I, uses both of those. At least to me, that made it harder to hear. So it could just be depending on how you so break up the So you're talking specifically like, about quarter tones stacked on top of each other. I guess, yes, just okay. because that's what I know best. Okay. But like, I'd just be interested to hear the way that someone, maybe in the future, can work in... Uh, like have a microtonal system of like harmony. And so, to be fair, I bet that exists somewhere in the world okay. and i'm just yeah. unaware of it of like harmonic functions of microtonal so it's interesting notes. you are th i think out of the three of us you are the closest to saying that microtonal has a future well like, i'm it just can go curious somewhere else. Really. yeah like i'm that's interesting i just hadn't thought of it that way yeah it's just i don't know well i guess on that i would i would think because i don't know what are the functions in uh, music in Africa that already exists in mm -hmm. India. You know, we have certain, basically, we think of music kind of as there's a tonic, a predominant, and a dominant, and then mm -hmm. we do it all over again to some degree. And really, all our other harmonies, you know, before the 1900s, really, it's a variation on those three types of harmonies. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, what you know yeah what are they doing and what do they perceive as oh this is my home base yeah you know and really even in like uh indian music is specifically the only place that i'd heard micro tonal music um other than you know used as effect and like saxophone music and stuff and uh like listening to music written for like sitar and stuff with like the drones underneath it's still used in that sort of horizontal fashion because at least in the stuff i'd heard the drone was um just in you know a pitch and it stayed there that's fair and the drone like really centers it at a tone yeah. like 
and I then, mean, obviously gives it such a strong tonal center. And the sitar, in, at least in what I've heard, it's usually just sitar that's like sliding around, and I'm not used to whatever, you know, tonal centers or, you know, what the kind of harmonies that they're creating, but it's like still that the notes in between notes were just used as like timbres or sliding between. If that makes sense. It wasn't like stacking or creating mm -hmm. different harmonies. So I was like, that was the only one I had heard. So I still haven't even heard something that quite meets what you're talking about. So. I'll try to find some interesting um, world music to throw it on that playlist as well. Cause that is something that we, we talked about, but we didn't actually listen to any of it. So I'll try to find some of that gamelan and like Indian music, maybe something with the sitar just to compare it to what, what the, other side of the world is doing with microtonal music. Mm -hmm. um, I would just say that I think it's an interesting tool. I, I just think it's something new, uh, not even so new because people have been doing it for a while. It's just something that doesn't get done very often. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is a compositional tool. Yeah. Um, and anytime that I see something like that, I just think about like, I want to be able to utilize all the tools that we have in music. I'm not saying that as a composer because I don't have a lot of interest in composing, but I guess my idea is that microtonal music exists, yeah. and so there's no reason why people couldn't be using it in their music. I feel like I mm -hmm. don't think it has a deep future. I don't think it's going to take over music. I don't even think it's revolutionary or going to yeah. radicalize music. It just is another something that I we was, can do. I was about to say, I feel like just thinking of it in that sense, like I bet we will start to see it more, mm -hmm. not as an entirely new system, sort of like how... Dolores is using it as replacing our tuning systems and whatnot. But uh, again, going back to saxophone, because it's what I know, uh, it's definitely, I've seen it more in pieces that have been written in the last like five years or so, specifically premieres that I've heard at conferences and stuff. It's, I've heard it used as an effect. And so to that mm -hmm. end, I feel like it's going to become more popular across the board because um, you have those composers that are popularizing. Uh, extended techniques and stuff on like wind instruments and stuff like that yeah. or string instruments, any instrument. Um, and then there are other composers who are taking those really extreme examples and incorporating them into more, you know, like mainstream music. And so I feel like right now we're in that stage of microtonal music is more on the extreme end, but eventually it'll be worked in. And so like, I feel like it'll... I don't know how much it'll ever be worked in, but I see it. I don't... I don't see it as a novelty, but I also mm -hmm. don't see it as radical either. Yeah. It's somewhere between novelty and radical. I just think it's really cool. <laughs> I like the way it sounds. I'm big into like dissonance and things like that, so it's always been appealing to me just because of the way that it sounds. So that's really all I got for microtonal music. Thanks for uh, letting me talk about that with you guys. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, um, that wraps up our conversation for this guy for this week, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, learned a little bit along with us, at least along with me, the uninformed <laughs> listener. Um, and in the future, this is sort of what you can expect from us and our podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about you know some specific topic each week, and then hopefully in the future when. Uh, we haven't run quite as long as we did today. We also want to throw out some recommendations for you guys of just stuff that we're enjoying throughout the week. Because um, not only do we think you guys might enjoy it, but I'm interested in hearing stuff from Adam and Seth and getting some good, you know, rec recommendations for albums and whatnot. Um, and just because we all study music theory doesn't mean we're all like music fuddy duddies, you know? Like we get to, we like to get crunk. 
Oh yeah, my recommendation today was going to be Kendrick Lamar. So yeah, my recommendation just... was going to be Crunk. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was going to be Maroon Five, so we shouldn't talk about that. But we'll we'll keep it. We'll keep it for the next podcast. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty much what you can expect from us. You know, just revolving topics. Hopefully, more people will present. Like eventually, I'll have something to talk about. But we'll <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. But that's good. That's been our podcast, guys. And as always, keep listening, musical world. Don't forget to keep it music-y. I've got nothing. Good night. Who needs a five line, a three line, or an eight line? With our stats, you've got your line. Man, this is really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm.